Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Those of you that are with us by live stream, God bless you. And those of you who subscribe to our podcast, we really appreciate you and glad that we can be in touch with you that way. Once in a while, if you're a regular listener or regular watcher, send us an email or check or something. But especially, <laughs> now, we'd like to hear from you. If this is blessing you, if this is ministering to your life, uh, we'd like to hear, uh, tell us what's going on. Amen. We want to be more connected to you. So thank you for being a part of uh, One Cause Church. We're certainly blessed. I'm blessed that all of you are here tonight. We're going to go to the book of John, chapter 1, as we are continuing to walk through uh, the Gospels in a uh, chronological uh, setting and and we're just we've just been looking at some of the harmony of the gospels along the way where the the story is the same in Matthew Mark Luke mostly um, John is kind of an exception to those things that there are some of some of the stories in John but John kind of took his own path and uh, which is really cool but um, we're going to start in John 1 and verse 19 tonight but I want to just uh, say a couple of things first one crystal it's so good to have you here tonight we love you very much and thanking God for your complete healing in Jesus name amen yes you are healed you're strong in faith you're, you inspire me amen bless you um, also what else I don't know oh yeah this man went to an auction that was the other thing and while he was there he bid on this parrot and he really wanted this bird, so he got caught up in this bidding war. He kept on bidding, but kept getting outbid, so he bid higher and higher and higher. And finally, finally, he bid way more than he intended to, for sure, and he won the bid. The parrot was his at last. The auctioneer, as he was paying for it, he says to the auctioneer, I sure hope this parrot can talk after all the money that I uh, spent to have him. Uh, and I'd hate to find out he, that he can't talk. And auctioneer said, oh, don't worry. Uh, he can talk. Who do you think you were bidding against? <laughs> All right. That being said, wasn't that a good service on Sunday morning? Wow. That was awesome. I mean, they were both good services. But the second service, uh, it was not like the first. <laughs> the second service, we... Uh, the Spirit of God decided he was going to step in and take over. And I love when he does that. Sometimes I wish he'd give me a little bit of warning, but he's not concerned about what I think about it. And uh, we had a lot of good time of ministry and praying for people, and I, I, I love that. And it was the beginning of our Holy Spirit series, so he was like, about time, holler. Now, let me take over. So uh, anyway, I want to encourage you to come. Come, uh, we've been talking about the Spirit of God. We'll be on this probably through this month and maybe a little longer. I don't know. We'll just see how the Lord leads it. I only got about five or ten minutes of preaching, so maybe, maybe I'll get a little bit more this Sunday. John chapter 1, verse 19. Now, this is the testimony of John, speaking of John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. 
Now, there's a good reason why these Jews are asking, John, is he Elijah or is he the, prof the prophet? Because they have Old Testament references to this. And um, what's interesting to me is that the prophet that was spoken of was Jesus. Um, Elijah was actually John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said. John the Baptist, he's Elijah here amongst you. And Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, we can see the Old Testament references that they were looking at and knowing that this was coming, this was prophesied of, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Well, what was John's job? To prepare the way of the Lord. That's what, that was John the Baptist. He's the bridge prophet between the Old and the New Testament. And so he was called by God. Uh, Isaiah prophesied of him um, and said that, uh, that he would be the one who would prepare the way, that he would make his path straight, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. And so um, it, was, it was only right that they would say, well, are you this Elijah to come? And then Deuteronomy also, chapter 18, let's look at that for a moment. And this is God speaking through Moses, telling Moses what to tell the people. And, and Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, capital P, like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. Now jump down to verse 18 there. And now the Lord is confirming to Moses exactly what Moses told the people. He said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I don't say anything the Father doesn't say. I only say what he says. Right? Verse 19. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Isn't it interesting that John is talking to the very ones who would not hear his words? These who were sent, they were sent by the Pharisees. We're going to see that. Look at verse 22 now of John chapter 1. And it shall be, oh, I'm sorry, verse 22 of John chapter 1. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, and as the prophet Isaiah said. Next. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. The Pharisees. You know who the Pharisees are? How long have you been going to this church? They're the, they're, the, they're, they're the ones you don't want to be because they're not fair, you see. Sadducees were also a sect. Um, but the Sadducees, they did not, they did not um, believe in the, the prophet's ministry. They were strictly the Torah. That's it. The written word. That is, only, that is the only word of God, actually, that there is, was, according to them, was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Nothing else. They did not... Uh, adhere to the, the, the prophets or the minor prophets. So that's why when they came to Jesus, uh, they, they talked about him, this supposed resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection uh, because according to them, they didn't have any scriptural proof of it. But Jesus called them out on it. Do you remember what happened? Remember how Jesus called them out? It was really amazing. First of all, they said there was one that was among us who, who uh, 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 died, uh, but he had six brothers. There were seven brothers in total, and and, and according to our custom is that the second brother needs to take that wife and carry on his offspring. So, uh, well, then he died, and then the third died, and, and every successive brother died. My first question would be like, um, maybe you ought to check on this woman, see what she's doing. She's killing all these guys. 
Seven husbands, seven brothers. Somebody's got to get a clue here. She's hard to live with. And then they said, whose wife will she be in the resurrection since they all had her as a wife? And Jesus said, you are mistaken concerning the scriptures. Because for one thing, marriage isn't given in heaven. They're all made like the angels of God. He said, and you're ignorant of the scriptures. He said, because God, God said, I am the God. And where God said this was, was in Exodus. He said it in Genesis. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jesus said, he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living, which is proof that there's resurrection. He said, so you're mistaken concerning the scriptures. You don't even believe it in the one you claim to believe in. I love Jesus. These guys were sent from the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees did believe in the resurrection. They, they believed in the, uh, um, the, the prophets and the written word were inspired by God. Just so, to give you a little history on that, in case you didn't know, in case you did know, just to be freshened up on it. Verse 25, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. And it is he coming after me. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. Now we're going to get into this in greater detail in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke as well, where he talks about what Jesus would do actually. Verse 28, these things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have to understand just the magnitude of this statement that John's making, all right? And um, the, the possible consequences from saying it. He sees Jesus, and he, sh he proclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That statement in and of itself is truly remarkable because in that one statement, in that one saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John basically just canceled out the entire sacrificial system. And it's in, because if the lamb takes away the sin of the world, well, there's going to be no more need for sacrifice. Right? And nobody yells, blasphemy! Right? Nobody says, get some rocks! I think they're cr crazy afraid of him, though. I mean, any guy that's eating locusts for his meals and wearing camel's hair and lives in the desert, you don't want to get on that guy's bad side, right? Always calling him out, repent, you brood of vipers. I mean, who wants to confront that guy? Verse 30, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Notice he calls this man the lamb. Comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, what you might need to understand tonight is that John was older than Jesus. John the Baptist was older than Jesus by six months. But he says he was before him. So what is he saying? He's God. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. 
Verse 32, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven. We were talking about this in our life group last night. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Well, how about that for a sign? John, I'm going to open your physical eyes to see the Holy Spirit of God. I don't know anybody that can make that claim that they've seen. Now, we've seen evidence that the Spirit's there, right? Sunday morning. We saw the work of the Holy Spirit. But he saw the Holy Spirit himself. He saw him, and, and God had told him, whoever you see the Spirit descending upon, that is the one. And it's interesting that John said, I did not know him. What do you mean you didn't know him? He's your cousin, man. You're six months apart. You had to have been at some dinner or family reunion sometime in your life. Both of you had miraculous births. Surely those stories were talked about. What do you mean you don't know him? Yeah, he knew him as his family, but he, it had not been revealed to John that Jesus, his cousin, was the Christ until he saw the Spirit. And when he saw the Spirit descend upon Jesus, the revelation came. Revelation always comes by the Spirit, by the way. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says that we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have freely been given to us by God. Aren't you grateful for that? That's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He's the revealer, of God, the revealer part of God. He's, he's there to teach us the things of God so that we can know the things of God. We can know what's to come. Now I'm going to start preaching the Holy Spirit. I better stop. Save that for Sunday. So he saw this with his, phys he, with his physical eyes, the Holy Spirit, what that must have looked like. And the only way he could describe it was that it was, it was descending on him like a dove. Now, people think that the Holy Spirit looks like a dove, but I'm not really sure that's actually true. It just says that he descended like a dove. Actually, we... If you're a good Pentecostal or charismatic or spirit-filled, it's a dove on fire, right? That's when we know we're spirit-filled church. That dove, that dove is on fire. <laughs> Verse 34, let's keep reading. And I have, seen, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God, my cousin, <laughs> is the Son of God. Wow. Again, I find it interesting. Nobody is calling John out on this. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. They said, All right, later, John. If that's the Lamb of God... We're getting off this train, right? How are we hanging around with, with you anymore? That's the Lamb of God. We're following him. Now watch this. And then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour or four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew found Jesus before Simon did. 
We don't know much about Andrew, actually. We know very little. According to Fox's Book of Martyrs, Andrew was uh, crucified on an X-shaped cross. Andrew was relatively young when he gave his life for the gospel, a uh, young martyr, and Peter was his older brother. Andrew um, is a key person, though, in all of this work of God, but very little is said about him. You know, if you'll just do what you're called to do, you'll do, just do what you're called to do, no matter how big or small it is, that's success. That is the definition of success, just doing what God's called you to do. Andrew goes and gets Peter. Look at this. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. Wow, Jesus, couldn't you like call me Bill or George or Ralph or Nathan? Cephas which means a stone. This is Simon. More than likely, his Hebrew name is Simeon, actually. Simeon. That's a powerful name. But he says, no, your name is Rock now. You're a stone. Cephas. Now, why did Jesus say that Simon shall be called Cephas? Well, in Matthew chapter 16, let's look at this. This is later on after Cephas has been following him around. And he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now he's calling him Peter. Now Peter also means rock. But it's a different kind of rock. The, the Cephas, that stone, um, is usually like a hollowed-out rock. But this rock is a smaller rock, a, a, a small rock that is part of a larger rock. Your name is Peter, which is Petros, and on this rock, Petra. You remember that, Ben? Upon this, fired up. All right. Upon this rock, so he's saying you are part of the bigger rock. You're a little rock that's part of the big rock. This is powerful. He's not just some stone out there roaming around, not a rolling stone. Now, he is a small part of a bigger thing. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Well, what rock is he talking about? Because it can't be Peter, because Peter's the little rock that's connected to the big rock. So, what, what rock is Jesus talking about? The very thing that Peter said right before. He said, well, Jesus is having this conversation. He said, who, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Uh, some say you're... Uh, John the Baptist, why, why are they calling him John the Baptist? Didn't they know that John the Baptist is dead at this point? Some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Isn't it interesting that Jesus needed Peter to identify who he was? And then Peter helped, and then Jesus helped Peter know who he was. See, you, will truly, you won't really know who you are until you know who Jesus is. But when you know who he is, that's when you find who you really are, your real purpose in life, your real identity. The scripture says, now we are in him. 
hidden in him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's beautiful, isn't it? I also say that you are Petros, little rock, and on this big rock, I will build my church. On this rock, this revelation. That's what he's talking about. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Whatever Jesus is building, hell can't do anything about it. Amen. I'm glad to be on that side, on his side. Hell can't do anything about what Jesus is building. Now let's go to Ephesians 2. We're going to take this a little further. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Now this is Paul speaking to us. He's talking to the Gentile church. All right? The Ephesians are the McKinnians or wherever you're from. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That kind of makes me want to straighten my jacket up a little bit, walk a little taller. Wow. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what he's talking about. This revelation, this gospel, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, the foundation has been laid and no other foundation can be laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. All right? And the apostles and the prophets are all part of that foundation and Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Next, 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. See, you're part of the building. You're part of the building. This was all a foundation and now we are all being built up, stone upon stone. We are all another brick in the wall. Pink Floyd didn't know that they were theologians, did they? We're, we're another stone. We're another part of this building. It's powerful. Now, 1 Peter 2. Let's look over there for just a moment. It's okay if we study the Bible tonight? Okay. Now, Peter says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones. So we're all... Peter, aren't we? We're all the little rocks that are part of the bigger rock. As living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Wow, it's so good to be a part of this huge thing called the church. Individual members, living stones in this house, in this thing that God is building. Amen. Jesus, Jesus made you, and he made you a certain shape in a certain way, just right to fit in the right place in this building called the church, called the temple. Isn't that wonderful? That's why we all need to find our place. We all need to get to our place. And it's found in the church. The following day, John chapter 1, now we're at verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. There you are. And said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So right now, they don't really, at this point, in the beginning of the ministry, they don't really know Jesus as the son of God. They know there's something special about him because they heard John point to him, but they haven't seen a miracle yet. Um, and so they, they're, they're just trying to, to 
to be led here. And he picked them out and said, follow me. And so he says, he's the son of Joseph. So, so they're looking at him kind of just through natural eyes right now. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Thackerville, Oklahoma? Nazareth, Nazareth is the Thackerville in Israel. That's my hometown. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's quite a question. Philip said to him, come and see. He didn't even try to argue with Nathaniel. Just come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit, or one version says no guile, which means you're a straight talker, aren't you, Nathanael? You don't appreciate dishonesty. You don't live dishonestly. There's no deceit in you. I love this. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Wow. Let me say this tonight, just to remind you just how loved you are. Jesus knows who you are, and Jesus knows where you are. Amen. He knows exactly who you are, and he knows exactly where you are. He sees you. Now, Nathaniel didn't see Jesus when he was sitting under that tree, but Jesus saw him. Isn't it interesting it says he was sitting under a fig tree? Jesus saw Nathanael under that fig tree, but Nathanael being against that fig tree or under the fig tree didn't see him. I think there's a, a big, there's, there, there's a, an allegorical thing going on here, and that is this. You cannot see Jesus through your own religion. Those fig leaves represent Adam and Eve trying to cover their own faults by manufacturing something, which is, that's what religion is. It's just manufactured righteousness. It's self-righteousness. And he's sitting on the fig tree. He didn't see Jesus, but thank God, Jesus can see right through all of that. And he saw Nathaniel. He said, I saw you sitting in the fig tree. It's beautiful. But he wants you to come out of that fig tree, out from behind it. And so here he is. I love this. Look at this. Nathaniel answered and said to him, okay, what's the first thing Nathaniel says? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So then Jesus wows him because Philip says, well, come see. So he's showing up, and as he's walking up to him, Jesus says, true Israelite, there's no deceit in you. And he said, how do you know me? He says, uh, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip brought you. And this is, what he, this is his response. He answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Wow. Man, you talk about a switch flipped. He's skeptical. Heck, anything good? I don't remember any Bible verses, any prophecies about Nazareth. I don't know about this. To, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. How did he jump to that conclusion so quick? I think it has a lot to do with what was said of him. Jesus said, there's no guile in you. There's no deceit which means he can be very quick to believe. You know, we all need to be quick to believe. But we've been trained for skepticism in this day and age. We've been trained to doubt. We've been trained to reason out of faith. We've been trained right out of it. But we're believers. What do believers do? They believe. 
We just believe. Well, that sounds pretty gullible. It is. It is. But man, you sure keep your heart right if you just stay a believer. How about this in 1 Corinthians 13? Love bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love believes all things. Well, let's just go ahead and put God there because God is love. God endures all things. God hopes all things. God believes all things. That means he believes you when you come to him and after you've screwed up for the 900th time. He believes you. He's not a skeptic. He's not one that says, yeah, we'll see. 901 will be right around the corner. I know you. He doesn't think like we think. I'm grateful to God he doesn't think like we think. At least like me. You married people know that, right? Better than anybody. Yeah, I've heard that before. How many times have you said that? Hmm? But that's not how God thinks. It's always like a new experience with him. Why? Because he's love. Love believes all things. Love believes the best. I love that. We're believers. And so he says, you're the king of Israel. You are the son of God. Here it is. Here's the revelation the other guys hadn't had yet. But he gets it. He gets it when he sees the spirit of God revealing something to Jesus beyond what we can know in natural wisdom. He saw me. Wow. And he said to him, most assuredly, oh, no, uh, verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. I like your spirit, Nathaniel. I mean, it just took one word of wisdom, one word of knowledge from me, and man, you're, a, you're in, it, in this thing. He said, but man, you're going to see greater things than this. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the beginning. This is, this is where, it, where it started. It's when Jesus began to assemble his guys, and he's about to really start his ministry. John, we know. John the Baptist has done his part. He's done his part. And now he's pointing even those that are under him. And I'm sure that, that these disciples, Andrew and these other guys that were with John, I'm sure they were close to him. I'm sure he loved them. But he also knew his role. He knew the time was coming that it was going to be over. I also want to say something about John the Baptist for a moment. Jesus said there's no one greater born of women than John the Baptist. No one greater. Wouldn't you love that said about you by Jesus? There's no one greater than him. And he said that after, after John questioned him as the Messiah. John saw the Holy Spirit. He saw the Spirit. And then he gets thrown in prison. And I think also that John didn't really expect Jesus to come in the way he did or to, to begin to do the, preach the kingdom of God and, and to hang out with the people that he did. John's out in the wilderness. Man, he's calling people out, right? Repent! Well, Jesus comes. He says, John came not eating and drinking, but I came eating and drinking. Jesus is going to the parties. And if they run out of wine, he produces more wine. Man, this has got to rub John the Baptist. I mean, see, he is a Baptist. I mean, obviously, it's going to really mess with him. 
you hear what one Baptist said to the other when they ran into each other in the liquor store? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, you can throw any denomination in there. I'm, I'm, I'm just picking on my Baptist friends. I've got lots of Baptist friends. Anyway, um, that's an old joke. Where was I? Oh, okay, so, because so, John, the way he described Jesus when he would come, man, he, he, he talked about that his, uh, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor. The axe is already being laid to the root of the tree, and Jesus is having dinner with sinners. He's not coming here. That imagery doesn't seem to match him at all. I imagine John had a, an idea of what that looked like, that Jesus was going to kind of act like him. But a whole different thing. What John said was true of him, but John just didn't see it the right way. Jesus was coming to seek and to save that which was lost. And he'd be willing to go anywhere to help somebody. And as time goes by, John gets thrown in prison, and he's sitting in that prison, he's thinking, maybe I missed it. He saw the Holy Spirit! Yeah. What do you mean you missed it? Yeah, maybe I missed it because this, this guy, maybe this is just my cousin. And so he sends disciples to go to Jesus. And this is what he wants them to ask him on John's, on John's behalf. Are you the coming one or should we look for another? Wow. See, this is more than just seeing the miraculous. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to stick. We have to walk by something greater than just seeing miraculous things. We walk by faith, not by sight. Seeing the miraculous is bonus. It's not why we believe. Our faith is not in that. Our faith is in Him. So, are you to come? And Jesus said, go tell John. That the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised. And blessed is he who's not offended of me. John the Baptist got offended. If John the Baptist, who's the greatest, according to Jesus, got offended, we can all get offended. If the best of the best can get offended, you're just one choice away from it. So don't get offended. And then it was after that, after that, blessed he's not offended me. And then he turns around and says, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. Like, wow, Jesus, this guy just questioned your whole Messiah-ness. He's wondering if you should look for another. He's offended by you. And you call this guy the greatest? Yeah, there's love. And there's faith. Believe in all things. Amen. Let's close our eyes for just a moment if we could before we close out tonight. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for this precious family here tonight. Thank you for your precious spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the, the wisdom and revelation that comes to us through the Word of God. That it is sharper and more powerful than any two-edged sword, any twice-spoken word. And it, it's able to deal with our every part as people, that is, spirit, soul, and body. 
your word has the answer. And I thank you, Lord, for what, you're, what you've taught us here tonight. Just some things here, God, that it's good to know that you know us and you know where we are. Sometimes it's easy to forget that when we get caught up in our trouble, feel isolated, but your eyes are always on us. And knowing that, we know, God, there's always a way. There's always victory. There's always a blessing. And there's peace and joy and all these kind of wonderful things that come from you. Father, I just thank you now for the peace of God that passes all understanding would guard every heart and mind here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for restoring and healing. Thank you, Lord, for continuing to give them these times of refreshing that come by your Spirit. Tonight, Lord, they would feel a fresh wind in their sails tonight. They'd be strengthened, encouraged, inspired, and renewed in hope again. Thank you, Lord, that your word is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. We receive the benefits that come with your word. We, we bless you tonight, as David said. You forgive all of our sins. You heal all of our diseases. You redeem our life from destruction. I want to thank you for that tonight. Thank you that you satisfy our mouth with good things. And our youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you, Lord, for all your promises that are in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. We bless you. We bless you tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Sorry I held you so late tonight. It's 8.09. My gosh. Y'all, let's stand together. Maybe we should pray for the Cowboys. By the way, you beat our, my Broncos, David. Your Texans beat my Broncos. Yes, they did. Oh, amen. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.